Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long. Welcome to this edition of Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor. I'm Pam Yonke. This program focuses in on cooperative projects all around the upper Midwest with the goal of enhancing water quality. It's brought to you courtesy of fishersandfarmers.org and Saddle Butte Ag. Today we travel to northeast Missouri and Pike County, where the Pino Creek tributary is located. It's part of the Lower Salt River, and it is considered one of Missouri's highest quality streams. The challenge with the Pino Creek tributary is how can you sustain the state's 200 fish species for the next 100 years? That was the challenge faced by Chris Williamson, District Supervisor for the Missouri Department of Conservation. Right away, Chris realized he had to figure out a new way to approach landowners to engage in the conservation projects. But everyone's busy, and trying to persuade farmers and landowners to make a long-term commitment to something like cover crops was problematic. Chris and I talked about how he approached those farmers and landowners to get them to buy in. We'd had the same type of cost share programs and same type of best manager practices out there. And so we really didn't have an idea, though, what's what's going to be our new thing that we're going to take to the landowners and try to sell them on or, or what's what's going to be or the the practice or idea that we can really work with landowners on to help to help improve or maintain these this, this watershed and so knowing that we uh, and not trying to come up with something new on our own sitting around a bunch of biologists or, or, or um, you know um, people that work for the government trying to trying to solve problems what we did is we sat around we, we came up with the idea let's let's We've got some ideas here. Um, we've got some information. Let's get let's get some landowners together in a room. And so we we set up a place at a local restaurant, invited about 20 landowners that that had worked with the NRCS or Solar Water Districts or, or the Missouri Department of Conservation in the past, and and just a very varied background. A lot of a lot of the ag, agriculture uh, landowners and a lot of producers, mm-hmm. and so just. just you know, presented some basic information, our ideas, just as basic ideas, but more, it was more of a conversation. And it was more of, here's kind of what we're looking at. What do you guys think? What do you guys see as the issues? What do you guys see as the challenges of, of this project going forward? What do you see as opportunities going forward? Sure. And so it really turned into a, a great evening of just some conversations. Um, we learned a lot. I think the landowner learned a lot. Um, and from that, we kind of, one of the one of the main topics that came out of that was there were several producers that were already started playing with or trying to incorporate cover crops into their into their operations and um, there was a lot of questions around cover crops and there was something at that time that was just starting to take off this was probably in 2012 uh, 2013 when we had this meeting so mm-hmm. this was just really starting to get some some traction in the area 
Um, but they have a lot of questions, lots of, lot of issues to work through. We're starting to try and these guys incorporate sure. them into. So. Yeah, but you know, and that's just it. Sometimes when groups come together, they've already been thinking about these ideas, uh, maybe doing smaller projects on their own. Sometimes it can be about available resources and yep. putting priority on those available resources. Tell me a little bit about how you and the group tried to attack that. Yeah, so exactly. There was there's a couple landowners that had, had just a year or maybe were two years into it, had just started just experimenting on their on their place with small acreages, you know, like a, a, a ten acre corner of a field or something. Um, and at that time, just just sourcing the seed was was an issue. You know, they were having trouble finding the, the right seed that they were wanting to use, and 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 they were just starting to to really experiment with how to how to work this in their, their operation. So, using that, you know, we we saw an opportunity. So, it's, hey. You know, these guys are, are looking for this cover crops that have many benefits, not not only to the producer but to the to the watershed itself. Um, and so it was it was one of those opportunities of like we we really need to capitalize on this. And so and so we started. Um, we we were able to source some seed ourselves that very first year, and just said, hey. Here are five guys that are that would like to try something different or, or you know expand on what they've already been doing. Here's some seed. Uh, we're not going to charge anything for it. It, it wasn't that much money. We're, we're just we're just going to say here, try it, and then we're just going to kind of you know I'll be around a couple times in the fall, a couple times in the spring, and we'll see how it kind of works for you. And then then we'll you know use those experiences to to spread you know the news and and so. That worked pretty well the first year. We had some successes. We had some failures. Um, we also had a, a public conservation area right in the middle of the watershed. And so the following fall, um, one of the people that's on the council was actually our permitted farmer on that area. And so we had some sunflower fields that we typically um, will we'll mow those down right before uh, dove season, which is September 1st. And then a lot of times those will set fallow all fall. Um, but this, since this conservation area was right in the middle of the watershed, um, I had we I worked to deal with him where we planted some some cover crops right into those uh, the sunflower fields after at about the first week of second week of September after most of the dove hunting and whatever, and then then that following spring we used that as our our basis for a, a large field day where we had those fields to look at with with these cover crops that honestly at that point not a lot of people had seen that you know they didn't really okay is that a radish okay i've seen those pictures of those but i've never actually seen one in person so mm-hmm. uh, and so so we used that and that that really springboards some stuff and then we also did some field tours um on some of the guys that we had we had, had shared some seed with the year before as well and and actually got to see what see some of their fields and and have them present to the group or talk to the group about hey, this is what I did, this is what I saw, this is how it worked, uh, and this is some of the benefits I'm seeing out of it. Sure. You know, a lot of times when we get those demonstration plots, they're designed to do just that, demonstrate something new, um, help people take, feel like they're they're not the ones that are at risk or on the dime when it comes to success or, or failure. What about the community around these watersheds? Maybe the non-farmers that still enjoy fishing or like that resource there. Did you hear much from them when this project was getting started, Chris? 
Yeah, yeah. So we had we had several landowners in the area that, that owned property just for recreation. Um, the, several of them were out of out of the landowner. Several of them had retired and moved um, to their little you know uh, private uh, paradise that uh, you know they were they they'd purchased earlier and retired on it. Um, and so those those folks were interested in in all the benefit you know all the stuff that we were as far as you know they liked fishing on the stream like. You know, maybe to hunt turkeys and deer. They just like watching wildlife, and so um, there was there was substantial interest in those, and, and still today it is. You know, we still got a lot of people in that watershed that that are that are using it for recreation, and so they're they're really enjoying the benefits of the whole project. Right, yeah. And that's, like we said, uh, living it and showing it, one of the best ways to get other people engaged in the process. So let's talk about what happened after those first couple of years, Chris. You know, projects like this can ebb and flow as far as involvement, enthusiasm, like you said, even sometimes uh, availability of seed. Take me to where you are in 2021 now. So, yeah, to get to where we are today, let me back up a little bit. So a couple, as, as we continue that process of, of just trying these cover crops, experimenting with these things, um, and then then using our landowners as, as you know, uh, salesmen, I guess you'd say, where, you know, we would, we would potentially, we would, intentionally put some of these fields that were in cover crops in highly visible areas where, you know, if you're going to town, you're seeing these fields. And, you know, that everybody knows is a green field in December. You know, if you've got some corn stubble there and there's something growing in a green, everybody says, hey, that that looks different. That's not what we normally see. So, um, so using that and word of mouth and then continuing to host field days where we put some of the landowners, you know, just I can, as a as a you know Department of Conservation employee, I can get up there and speak for hours, but I'm not going to be able to convince somebody near as easily as the the guy that lives next door, the neighbor, the the trusted guy that's been farming for 40 years, um, and so using that you know it always helps, you know, and and where the neighbors is. is talking to the other neighbor and he's seeing what's going on he says okay i'm gonna try that here's how here's how i did it um here here's here's what might work on your places word of mouth that's how we got it started that's chris williamson district supervisor with the missouri department of conservation in pike county in northeast missouri focused in on the pino creek tributary one of the farmers that was involved in those early conversations and visiting with other neighbors is John Scherter from Scherter Farms. We'll hear from him in just a moment. Fishers and Farmers Neighbor to Neighbor is brought to you in part by fishersandfarmers.org and Saddle Butte Ag. Joining us now, T.J. Cardis, sales manager with Saddle Butte Ag. T.J., I've got to ask you, you know, the cover crop movement continues to gain momentum all around the upper Midwest. But with the growing challenges that we've seen this year, drought in some areas, too much water in others, how is your seed supply looking right now? So right now, you know, our seed supply is good, Pam. Um, we are going to see a we are going to see a slowdown in it, though. You know, and the the the, the drought in the Dakotas. And up into the western part of Canada, the plains of Canada is going to take some of the rye crop, and it's going to it's going to dwindle it. You know, so what I'm telling my growers right now: if you know you need rye, get it booked and get it ordered from your dealers or myself, so we can start moving it in July and August. Because the flip side of this coin is this: we don't have trucks. Trucking is just a nightmare right now. Um, I just had a conversation with a guy in Colorado, and he said they came out and said there's a fuel shortage. 
a trucking company came out and said, no, it's not a fuel shortage. We don't have drivers to drive the trucks. We have fuel. We just don't have any way to get it to you. We're dealing with the same thing here right now. We are short of drivers. We are short of trucks. And so I'm telling my guys, earlier movement is way better. Get it on the list. So we got two months to get it to you or a month and a half. Because you call me September 1 say I want four loads of cereal rye. It might be the middle of September before you see them. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm hoping we move it faster, but we're being very proactive. Same out of the West, out of our main plant. We're working really hard, intermodal and everything, to get seed here in the Midwest. And our warehouses in the Midwest, we're about we're about busting at the seams right now. We're, we've, we've loaded up well here. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. You know, I'm starting to think for those folks that might have been considering cover crops this year and now the concern about weather, how long can this cover crop seed theoretically lay in the ground, TJ, without any moisture to kind of get it activating? I mean, these are the questions, if I'm just thinking about getting into cover crops, that I'm wondering about. So surface application, we always say 14 days. And it's not so much that it the dry weather affects it, it's the predator levels that eat it. And we see that a lot. I mean, we, we go out and we find seed that's been chewed on. And it's a, the beauty of the beauty of the birds and everything is they eat off just enough at the end so it doesn't germinate. You know, so they they really they really love doing that to us. So uh, we always say about fourteen, ten to fourteen days, and we got to have some action. So at that point, like I said, we're born dry, vertical till with a gandy box or something of that nature to get some seed to soil contact, uh, no till drills, whatever you might be looking at, is is what we need to to apply this stuff with because we got to get it in the soil at that point if it's just bone dry. It will lay there. We've had stuff lay there all all fall and the next spring it takes off and terminates. But we got to get it in the ground. On top of the ground, at that point, you got to. It's a smorgasbord you put out there for the mice and all the predators, and they love us. You are right; they really do love us. Thanks, TJ. Good to catch up with you, TJ Cardis with Saddle Butte Ag. Like he said, if you're still looking to secure cover crop seed, now is the time to reach out to the folks at Saddle Butte. Their website: saddlebutte.com, or look for Biotill Cover Crops and 360 Forage. They are bringing you. Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor, along with fishersandfarmers.org. You know, when we were talking with Chris Williamson, District Supervisor of the Missouri Department of Conservation in Pike County, he mentioned how important uh, word of mouth was to spread the message about getting involved in conservation measures to help protect the Pino Creek watershed. One of the farmers that was in those early meetings, John Scherter, from Scherter Farms. He farms 3,500 acres in Pino Creek Watershed and was one of the very first to embrace what Chris Williamson was after. We got together for our first meeting, which was very informal. We really, you know, he was kind of looking for things to do and, you know, what could you do to get people involved? And I told him about my experience with the cover crop and, you know, everybody kind of seemed to be talking about that a little bit. I said, you know, that would be the way to reach you know, the most landowners and without a big outlay of funding, you know, because we had limited funds, of course. And so that's kind of how it, it started. And uh, we just kind of picked a small group out of who attended there and, and uh, you know, just kind of put a plan together and just kind of went from there, you know. Yeah. Now, I got to ask you, though, John, since you obviously, your mainstay, corn, beans, and wheat, uh, with the way commodity prices have been some years, it can be tough to keep that commitment to uh, conservation crops, uh, cover crops. How how did you manage to work your way through those opportunities? In a way, it is, and in a way, it isn't. I mean, uh, my main cover crop, I I put the cover on after I harvest corn, and then everything that's 
in corn that goes to beans the following year, that is all in a cover crop of, you know, and it's uh, usually a combination. It started out with mostly cereal rye, but, uh, you know, I found out that uh, too much too much rye, <clears throat> too many pounds to the acre, you got too much cover, and I had a couple couple experiences where, you know, couldn't get in the field and, you know, you had rye six foot tall headed out, you know, where you're going to plant beans, you know, what do you do? And the first couple of years, you know, scared me to death and, man, I can't do this. And, but I had a couple of neighbors that was trying to plant green. And, and so, you know, we started doing that. And, um, you know, last year, let's see, it was last year or the year before, I guess, uh, we had a real rainy spring and we had hundreds of acres that was in rye and it had about 50 pounds to the acre on it. And it was, it was thick. I mean, mm-hmm. and it, and, but, uh, we was able to plant on through it and, and, you know, it was, but and end up getting a good stand on almost all of it, except where it was really thick and, you know, laid over. Right. But, uh, anyway, it ended up, you know, we had 50, 60 bushel beans behind that. And my gosh, it had a tremendous amount of cover and almost too much cover because I went into corn with that the next year and I'd, you know, kind of wanted to no-till into that and, you know, save all my mulch. And, well, we had an opportunity early, and so we went in and planted. The forecast was for 80 degrees and no rain, and so I think this will work. I knew it was just borderline, but uh, went ahead and did it, and, you know, it turned out to be 50 degrees and rain. And <laughs> and so we had, you know, 600 acres of no-till into that stuff that did not work very well. We had to end up replanting it all. So you know it doesn't it doesn't always work, but you know uh, the the advantages are so much yeah. more than than those opportune times that mm. pop up that are against you or in opportune times I should say. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know this year we've had three or four big rain events in the last month. You know anywhere from two to six inches, and uh, you know I, I planted all my soybeans into cover anywhere from two foot to five foot tall and you know there's i have no no runoff you know no chocolate water wow. coming out of the fields you know and right. so it's i'm tickled to death with it this year i mean you, you couldn't couldn't ask for it to do its job any better but i've kind of changed my strategy I, you know i no longer use 50 pounds of rye which you know are still the local if you go through equip or something like that still tell you put on 50 pounds you know if you want to get in this program well you know i, I tell them you know 50 is too much you don't want that you know right but that's the way that so you can start diversifying which i've done last year you know i put uh wheat rye and winter oats on in a combination that way you, sure. and the oats will winter kill out so you don't have that much trash in the spring and the wheat won't get as tall as the rye and and that worked worked pretty well with less pounds and but if I'm, you know, just doing it on my own and using rye, I'm down to 25 to 30 pounds the acre, and that's sure. that, that works good in this area. Well, like you said, John Schurter's along with us from Hannibal, Missouri, and he is making a perfect point. A lot of it is still trial by error. Tell me a little bit. I like how you said, scared you, scared you to death when you start down these paths. How do you, uh, fellas, how do the 10 landowners that kind of started the Pino Council, uh, do you get together and kind of, shall I say, hold each other's hands when you're mm-hmm. going through these educational opportunities? I guess the, the Pino Creek group itself, uh, you know, which we did the cost share on the seed for several years and then, he just then the conservation provided the seed, and uh, a year or two ago, I think that funding ran out, and so we 
we're at a point now this year, uh, of course, last year we was going to try to do something, and then the conservation's kind of had its hands tied with the, the COVID and, you know, couldn't get groups together and couldn't meet. So we actually went all last year and didn't hardly do anything. I mean, the, everybody was doing stuff on their own, but nothing through this. And so, you know, now we're back to the point, which Chris may have already said this, that we're going to get together and see where our next step is, you know, and and I think maybe what you alluded to may be the next best step. If you got enough people doing it, but, you know, they wanted to go the next step, but, you know, they see this, six foot rye out there that you're trying to plan into and you just scared them all. Oh, we can't do that, you know? And so I think our next step in my mind would be to farm, you know, for this group to just, you know, put it out and get a word of mouth, go to somebody's farm that has this cover crop on it and a crop growing in it and just have a little round table in an evening, you know, have a pizza and a you know, some beer, soda, whatever, you know, and just sit around and, you know, kind of go through, well, what'd you do? How'd you do this? Or how'd you get that killed? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that would be the next step to go to, to to get people that's wanting to do it. But, you know, we had one farmer here that farms a lot of acres and they, they put a lot of cover. They put, I don't know, several thousand acres of cover crop in last fall. And man, I was glad to see that. But then they went and terminated it all fairly early. Mm-hmm. you know, and then run a vertical tillage over it, and mm-hmm. which still is way better than, you know, going in there and hitting it with a field cultivator a couple of times and planting it. But, you know, they really lost the advantage of controlling all this erosion on all these, you know, because their stuff was dead and fell over, and by the time their beans got up, you know, it was kind of disappearing. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you left it up knee high like mine is now, the six-inch rain beat the old, the old cover down, but before, you know, my beans were six inches tall, but you still couldn't hardly see them out there. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and you get these big rain events in between the beans and catching the trash as it's coming off the cover crop, you know, it just, it really stops the erosion. And, right. and so I think, you know, the next step in my mind would be, you know, just, uh, small informal deals. It's, you know, people like to hear what other farmers are doing. You know, they, you get an expert in and tell them, you know, well, this works here and this works here. And they say, well, is it going to work in my area? You know, how are we going to make it work here? Well, you know, I think just a, a hands-on and you can see it, you know, we've had a couple field days here and, and people say, man, how'd, how'd you get that? You know, right. actually, uh, when Chris, uh, first came through, uh, he, he called me he said, man, I got a little bit of extra money here. If we don't use it, we're going to lose it. He said for a grazing system and, and this was just about three weeks before harvest, you know, and he said, if you can get this in, but you got to have it in in the next month, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I've kind of been wanting to do something anyway. So anyway, we jumped on it. And anyway, we put in a rotational grazing system here with some funds mm-hmm. that funding that they had to help with it. And, and, uh, since then we put in two more systems, uh, one of them on our own and one of them with, uh, my son-in-law did with a, uh, young farmer, beginning farmer uh equip thing and mm-hmm. uh so we've been doing that part of it too with the cattle by uh you know and you know you you almost get a third more sure. efficiency out of your pastures doing that and you know the main thing is you know being able to get your water to where it needs to be but uh it don't work on every farm but you know you can sure make it work and you can uh you really increase your efficiency that way too and and if it works out if you're just right where you can get a you know one of your fields that you put this 
cover crop into and where you can rotate graze into that too it really works good right but, uh, yeah but i think in my experience you know farmer to farmer person to person is the best i mean you have field days you get you know it's good too because people can come and actually see but you know I've, of course webinars is a big thing these days and you know do everything virtual uh you know i'm a little old-fashioned i guess i mean uh, i'll do that but you know, you just talk to so many guys, all oh, virtually, you know, they start watching and uh, lost interest, turned it off, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the hands-on and one-on-one, you know, maybe you don't get as many people there, but the people you get there, you're going to do more good with, for sure. Neighbor to neighbor, peer to peer, that's what works best for John Schurter from Schurter Farms. Remember, he's got 3,500 acres, all of which are in the Pinot Creek watershed. That's why he was one of the first to partner with Chris Williamson, District Supervisor for the Missouri Department of Conservation, to continue to explore conservation ideas and cover crops for his land, now an example for other farmers and landowners around him. If you'd like to find out what's happening today with the Pinot Creek Watershed, remember it is a part of the National Fish Habitat Partnership. That website, fishhabitat.org. Or just search Missouri Conservation Pinot Creek and you'll see upcoming events and activities there. That'll do it for this edition of Fishers and Farmers Neighbor to Neighbor. You can hear previous programs with watershed projects around the Upper Midwest online, fishersandfarmers.org. And also, thank you to our friend T.J. Cardis from Saddle Butte Ag for joining us on the broadcast. My name's Pam Yankee. And that is Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor.